Gregory Columbic uh, supporting, wishing to speak, and Gregory uh, will be followed by Oscar Morales. I'm here in support of the request from um, the ad hoc committee um, for a total of $400,000, $350,000 additional, um, to cover the cost of expert review of Madison Police Department. Um, I think a comprehensive, adequately funded review is crucial at this point for a number of reasons. Um, there are multiple objective indicators of problems with MPD um, that really can only be addressed via expert review. Um, the number of officer-involved shootings has been rising over the last couple of decades. Um, the composition of who has been shot has changed. Um, in the 70s and 80s, it was basically only people who were active shooters. Most recently, um, since 2004, no one who's been shot has been an active shooter. Um, black, a black person in Madison is 11 times more likely to be um, arrested than someone who is white. Um, it's one of the higher racial disparities um, when you look across the country. Um, there are the, the rate at which citizen complaints are made of excessive force is similar to NYPD, but the rate at which those complaints are sustained is extraordinarily low, similar to what's happening in Chicago. Um, so I think there are, you know, objective indicators of difficulties. I think also. Um, there really is a problem with legitimacy at this point and trust of, of MPD um, in large sectors of the community. Um, there are a lot of studies that show when that happens, you end up with less cooperation. Um, I believe you're seeing some of the consequences of that right now. Um, that's problematic, and it needs to be rectified. Um, also, I would argue that this should be viewed as an investment. Um, the cost of suits, the cost of complaints is extraordinarily high. Um, even a moderate reduction in exposure to suits or complaints um, would fully offset the cost of the review. Um, looking at the cost of such reviews, $400,000 is a very reasonable amount. Um, this is for a comprehensive review of MPD. Um, it really cannot be done um, for much less than that. The, um, there are only a very limited number of um, vendors that are competent to conduct such reviews. Um, for example, from the University of Cincinnati Police Department sought a review. Um, they only obtained seven vendors. You really need an adequate set of vendors that are sufficiently competent to select from, um, and many will not be. Um, so, you know, I could speak at greater length, but hopefully all of you read the letter that I sent, um, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, Oscar Morales is next, who will be followed by Christian Obras. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Hi. How, how's everybody today? Um, Several years ago at Omega School, I had an opportunity to, uh, some of our students had 
read about some of the things in the newspaper about uh, interactions with police and wanted to have a small meeting so they could share some of their concerns. Um, we, we had a meeting, this was a couple years ago, but we had the meeting and a couple things. Uh, one thing in particular that, that kind of struck me is, is every time they said that they uh, either were going to report a crime or, or provide information, the first thing they were asked, and these are all people of color, is what is your name and what is your date of birth? And I said, well, that's kind of, kind of unusual, but I think they must do that to everybody. And then when we found out, it didn't seem, and they were not only talking about the Madison Police Department, but some other police departments. They weren't always clear what jurisdiction they were in. But the concern is, do is that something that happens throughout the district? They weren't able to answer those questions at the time. And I just want to make sure that, you know, given the current climate, um, you know, I, I the mother of one of the victims happens to be one of our students, and she called and said she's not going to come to school because she's dealing with some serious issues. So I just want to make sure in this current climate, uh, there's a lot of information going out there. I think this is the best opportunity to invest significant resources to make sure that we do it right. We've had many opportunities. To, there's a lot of studies. Uh, I just said this time we want to really step forward and make sure we, we do the right thing and give the committee uh, who uh, represents the, the different factors. I, I had an opportunity to speak in front of the committee. I think they've spent adequate time listening, but I'd urge the committee to give them the resources so that we, we can move forward as a city and a community and rebuild the trust and communication. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Christian's next and will be followed by uh, Luis Udesey. Um, for the record, my name is Christian Alboris, and I'm the co-chairman of the Madison Police Department Policy and Procedure Review Committee. So um, during my remarks, I want to just refer to it as the review committee for a condensed reason, obviously. Um, Mr. Chairman, thank you for having me here, and I also want to acknowledge the other members of this body. Um, thank you for your time and consideration regarding the remarks I have here. To give a little bit of context about the committee, as you all know that we were intended to start meeting last summer. However, we didn't start meeting until November of 2015. And that first meeting was more of like a procedural thing where we nominated chairs, um, sort of got a better understanding of the, of the mandate and charge that we had, as well as um, setting a future meeting date. So it wasn't really until December that we had our first, we would say, official meeting as a committee. Um, over the last several months, We've been having meetings twice a month in an effort to identify, discuss, analyze, as well as uh, finalize the different components as well as content of our RFP for the study. Um, during that time, it became evident quite quickly that the 50000 that was originally allocated uh, was not an uh, inadequate amount for the study that we needed to have. Um, so while the substitute resolution that's before you is a good, I would say, like a step in the right direction in terms of giving us a potential 250000 Um, There's consensus on the committee's part that they feel that that amount is still inadequate to actually fulfill our charge. Um, so that's why there's been a recommendation from the committee to, to allocate a total of $400,000. Um, so that would probably beg the question, why do we want $400,000? For the sake of time, I'll just give two reasons. 
Well, the committee could probably give you a whole host of reasons. Um, the most relevant for, for this time would be the study that we've had. I should say the comparisons that we've seen from other studies and uh, departments across the United States as well as um, the intent of us getting the most qualified slash quality vendor or consultant. Um, the most congruent or similar study that we could see is the University of Cincinnati, which was approximately around 400,000, a little bit less. Um, but it's important to be mindful of the fact that that department was a quarter of the size of MPD's police force. Um, and it's quite common in that realm that the larger the department, the larger the price tag. Um, to, to jump to my second point, which is uh, us finding the most qualified expert or consultant, um, take a look here. It's a, there's only a handful of subject matter experts that can actually encompass or take on the, exe the, the full scope. Um, all right. Thank you very much for your time. I'll wrap it up real quick, I promise. <laughs> uh, needless to say, there's only, there's only a handful of folks in, the, in this realm that could actually encompass everything that we need to have done in terms of uh, expertise and uh, gathering data, analyzing it correctly, and giving us some good recommendations. So um, that's our basis for, for requesting the $400,000. Um, with that being said, on behalf of all the members of our committee, we thank you for your time and consideration. Thanks. Thank you. Um, Ushusi, followed by Mary uh, Anglin. Thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to speak. I, I along with uh, Christian Albora, am the, the co-chair of this committee. And um, like Christian, I am also here to support the resolution to amend the timeline for the completion of this work and also to provide additional funds. As you know, the, com the committee uh, is comprised of a very diverse group of community members um, who represent different sectors of our community. And it's safe to say, this being Madison, that we don't always agree on everything. As a matter of fact, there's very lively debate in our meetings. But I can say that we're all very committed to making, uh, to helping to make Madison a great city for all its residents. And that includes in, in working to, um, to make a, a, a great police department even better to the extent that we can. Uh, we were brought together uh, by the committee to review and hire an expert to review the policies, procedures, the culture of the police department. If you take a look at the, the ordinance, you, you understand that uh, it, it's, it's a huge, huge task that we're giving. Um, uh, and we believe that it can best be accomplished by hiring the most competent contractor to, com to conduct this work. There's really no, no, no cheap way to get around this work. Uh, we have, uh, as part of our work, uh, we have debated, we have researched um, this topic and have come to the conclusion that it does come with a, with a hefty price tag. Uh, we are mindful of the limitations that the city, that the city budget has. We are, mi are mindful of competing needs within the city. And yet we believe that in order to be able to complete this work and to be able to do its best work, that we need to invest uh, adequately uh, uh, into this endeavor. And we believe that, that the funds that we're requesting are, are, are the right amount. And, and again, we, Christian and I are speaking uh, on, on behalf of the committee. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mary Engel. 
Good afternoon, and thank you for your time. I am um, just an observer of the ad hoc committee. I've been at three or four of the meetings over the last few months, and I've been very impressed with the seriousness with which the committee approached its assignment. And I think um, the draft RFP, as I've seen it, um, is something to be proud of because it is very detailed, it is very serious, and if um, a highly qualified and experienced consultant is hired and actually does that work, I think we'll learn important and indispensable lessons from the, R, uh, the results of the RFP. So I simply um, hope you will consider that a sum um, well beyond $50,000 is what we need to consider in order to get the product that we're looking for. Thank you. Are there questions of any of the registrants? If not, the matter is before us. Discussion on the question, which is adoption. Discussion? Um, in that case, if there's no discussion, I just want to make a couple of observations uh, to share with you. Uh, first, I don't know if you all received it, but uh, the city comptroller, uh, Jay Schmidtke, who had a long-standing commitment to be out of town, has asked this to be referred uh, to the next Board of Estimates meeting when he will be back and be able to share with you some of his concerns. Did you get that email? Right, so he sent it only to me. Um, I think I've got a fairly uh, uh, reasonable uh, knowledge as to why he wants it referred. And it goes to my own comments, which is to recommend to you that this be referred to the 2017 budget deliberations. If you go back over the last decade, 10 years, there have been a total of three appropriations in the last decade which did not go through the normal budgetary process. Those three in total come to $47,000. And I think what Mr. Schmidtke's concern is is that uh, this particular item will wipe out the vast majority of our contingent reserve for the remainder of the year and leave us uh, with with only about two hundred thousand dollars. If I if I remember the numbers, is that about right? We'll be at five hundred thousand. Okay, so it'll be about half of the the reserve. So those those are uh, the the concerns. And the, the point that, uh, given the extraordinarily large size of the appropriation now, that it goes through the normal budgetary process. So further discussion on the question. Alderwoman Rommel? Thank you, Mayor. Um, did, I did get your email, but not the one from Mr. Schmidtke. But um, I, I just wanted to call, make a comment that when I started thinking about your email today, I started wondering, how it was that you intended to pay for the consultant that would have studied the government structure, and we looked it up. It's $250,000 from the contingent reserve. So I would assume that that's something you would postpone based on what you said. But I'm not sure yes. we should postpone based on the need that we have. So I'll just start the conversation with that. Further discussion on the question? Alderman Bedard. 
Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I would like to urge my colleagues, first I want to thank many of you who are co-sponsors of, of what's before you as a substitute because of your continued co-sponsorship and urge you to, to support it. Um, the time is really now to proceed on this. This is a conversation that has, as you know, gone, gone on in our community um, for over three years, really, Alder Ramon know that, knows that because it, it goes back to um, interactions that, that created this conversation um, before um, Tony Robinson's um, death. And so it's been going on. It's something that we set up a committee to work on, and they're not able to proceed really with the rest of their work because their work really depends on this um, request for proposal, and the request for proposal scope depends on the amount of funding that they have. Um, Alder DeMarb and I have tried to follow very closely the work of the committee. We've attended as many of the committee meetings as, as we have been able to. And um, although, as, with, as many of you know, we, we um, walked in with trepidation to the idea of $400,000 and thought, that's a lot of money, um, and we certainly also know that we all have many different priorities that we need to balance. As we really listened to the conversation of the committee and listened to the information that was being provided to them, both by um, committee members, citizen um, volunteers who have taken a lot of time in putting information together, and also the information that staff gathered um, independently to really try to corroborate or not some of the information that was being received by um, uh, residents who were providing some um, data, um, they ended up confirming that, that this is the amount to do this comprehensive um, work on behalf of, of um, the um, committee and the city. Um, and the last thing I would want to say is that although I do understand that maybe this is um, percent, uh, not um, something that we've usually done for studies in, in the midst of our budget um, year, Certainly, you know better than anybody that as a Board of Estimates, you approve every time you meet, which is every two weeks, amendments to the budget um, as was adopted. And I don't think I've seen many deletions to, to the adopted budget coming from Board of Estimates to Council, mostly additions. Um, so I don't think it is definitely outside the process to um, have a budget amendment and certainly um, the size is an important one, but um, as you look at the department budget for our police department, which is $67 million more or less for the adopted 2016, and you look at what was the adopted budget for community development division, which is $10 million for 2016, we spent in the past three years $150,000 in um, a study of the processes of the community development division um, at $150,000. So I don't think it is outside the scope of amounts of money that we spend for studies, either given the, the breadth and scope of the police department. Thank you. Further discussion? Alder Thank you. I won't say much more because Alder Bedar said pretty much exactly what I would want to say, um, just that I'm proud to be a continued co-sponsor of this. Um, and just reiterate that I think we did have a conversation when we put this in the budget and gave the committee the charge that we did, and they're telling us that they can't complete their charge without funding. Um, so it's our responsibility to evaluate that, and um, I just I trust that this work is critical and needs to be done and that they've done their work to let us know what resources they need to fulfill that charge. Further discussion? Alderman DeMar. Thank you, sir. Um, I would like to continue with all, what Alder Badar was saying, and the uh, 
the community development study yielded some really good things um, to, to look at and to work on. And I have every faith that this study will, too. You know, um, the co-chair said that we have a really good police department, and, and I believe that that's true. I also want to know that. I want someone, someones, to take a look at this and um, really a thorough investigation. I'm concerned with postponing this and the messages that will send to people, people that are looking to this, to this committee to do this work and to the consultant to do their work. That's probably my biggest concern with postponing it, the messages that we will be sending to people that are really looking to us to, to make sure that the police department that, w that the city has hired is the police department that we think it is. That's important work. We see this nationally, um, all of the concerns with policing, and of course that's come to Madison as well. And, you know, we need to be able to answer that question. So I urge you to not stop this process. The committee has been working hard and diligently um, to, to, um, to try to get their arms around the charge that we gave them. And I also think that um, stopping them midstream would, would be problematic. So I urge you to continue to support this work. Thank you. Alderman Rivera. Thank you. I was hoping to um, probe a little further this um, recommendation from Finance Director Schmidicke. So I'm curious, Laura, uh, since you're the highest-ranking person here tonight from the Finance Department, do you have a copy of this email that you could read to us from Dave? In regards to Dave requesting the referral, referral. if I the mayor um, correctly, is this something that you've seen in writing that you have with you, you could read on your. I, I was laptop. not included on that okay. correspondence. Um, I can I can get it from Dave and and share it. Definitely, he's watching the proceedings. Okay. <laughs> I feel bad that he's watching. Nice of him. So let me ask you this, if I could, maybe a couple of follow-up questions, and certainly the mayor can jump mm -hmm. in at any time uh, and respond as well. But generally, do, does your office have a concern about the condition of our fund balance? today and, and can you elaborate if you do yep. so um, if adopted uh, as stated in the fiscal note uh, this resolution will take the uh, contingent reserve appropriation down to um, 514,000 now um, the year-end balance of the contingent reserve in 2015 was 508,000 that's what was <laughs> left over when we got to the end of the year so our big concern is that we'll be below 50% with still over half of the year to go. Um, and the intent of the, of the contingent reserve is to really help us out in the, in the event of emergencies that come up during the, fis during the fiscal year. Um, you know, if we have an early winter and really get pounded, um, or if any other sort of unforeseen emergencies were to come up. And so uh, by really uh, bringing this number down below 50%, uh, we are exposing ourselves to a fairly high degree of risk uh, in terms of having a reserve to easily tap into for the remainder of this year. Um, it is also clearly stated in our in the city's budget policies uh, that we uh, would seek to um, 
avoid mid-year appropriations outside of the budget process. And the intent of that is to truly make sure that when we're making appropriations, especially of, of this nature, that they are made in the context of the full budget. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've, uh, so that's, um, you know, that is one of the clearly stated policies. Um, furthermore, when we look at the um, city's overall fund balance, um, when we, as we've closed the books for the most part on 15, um, you know, our target fund balance is 15%, and it looks like we're going to be at 14.6, and so we are definitely um, short of our goal, um, and we do see a lot of pressure on both the general fund revenues and expenditures as we look at our 2016 projections. And that final thank you. That final point is what I was interested in. I certainly get the the part that we're spending at a very rapid pace, the contingent reserve fund this year, more so than most years. Uh, however, I, in the time I've been on this board, we've often often might be overstating the case. Several times we've ex completely expended the entire contingent reserve, and we've gone to the fund balance during the year. So, can you repeat and elaborate further what you said about the overall? fund balance condition and obviously we have yet to receive I presume in part because of the fun uh, intricacies of Munis uh, our new financial reporting system but you know at the last board meeting you and Dave uh, spoke to the board now receiving quarterly mm -hmm. um, financial condition um, statements in terms of revenue and expenditure projections I don't know how, how soon we might receive the first one of those reports but could you just elaborate yep. further about the condition we find ourselves in? So our intent is to give a full presentation on the first quarter projection at the June 13th BOE. So at the next BOE, we will speak to that in great detail. Um, our, the uh, accounting unit um, has is nearly at completion uh, with the city's financial statements for 15, and, and that is where we um, get the 14.6% figure based off of the nearly complete year-end balance. Um, and so really what drives our fund balance is when our revenues outperform um, or if we, um, you know, saw some space in our expenditures. And really the place where we see surpluses happening on our expenditure side are particularly in the area of streets if we get lucky in terms of a mild winter. So um, that obviously is very much out of, out of our control. Um, and so, uh, you know, based off of um, 15, uh, you know, some, some variations that happen, uh, we will be short of the 15%. We do also have some other significant uh, financial risks in terms of our internal services, internal service funds that are facing deficits um, that we will need to deal with um, in 16, 17, and beyond. In particular, our insurance, workers' comp, and fleet funds are all currently um, sitting with negative balances that we will have to deal with um, over the coming years. Do you at this point know uh, how revenues and expenditures are trending in calendar year 2016? So for expenditures, we are projecting that we will be right there. It looks like we are very close um, to coming in at budget. Um, in terms of revenues, um, you know, uh, we, we – 
see that um, building permits are, are not to what they um, once were in terms of what is projected um, in the budget, so that is falling short. Um, we've also seen um, that the growth in the room tax is starting to level off, and so um, the 16 budget did assume um, additional room tax revenue um, that right now um, looks like it may be uncertain. Um, and, and Dave will be able to speak to that number um, fully as part of our June 13th presentation. Hopefully this will be my last question of you, Laura. Are you saying that the first quarter room tax collections are below estimate? No, so they're on par. I thought with, I had heard that they were not. They're on par with prior year trends, and so they're not, they're not dropping compared to prior years. The, the issue is that we assumed that they would continue to grow in 16 and that we would continue to see additional revenue. And what we're seeing is that it's really leveling off with 2015 levels. And so there may not be additional revenue above and beyond what we've seen in, in recent years. Okay, thank you. Yep. Appreciate that discussion then for my, my part. Thank you, Mayor. So uh, I um, very much appreciate the advice of the Finance Department. It's unfortunate Mr. Schmidicki couldn't be here tonight. Um, it seems to me, though, that this is this issue of the our own police department is of such utmost concern to the community these days in particular that uh, delay until the next year, which is in effect, as I understand what the advice is, is to refer this request to the 2017 budget process for um, funding in 2017, uh, uh, I, I think is untenable. Uh, I really do, and usually I would follow the advice of our finance department, um, but in this case I think an exception needs to be made. I won't repeat the statements made by the lead sponsors, Alders Bidar and DeMarb, um, but you know they made excellent points. Um, to me the bottom line is that you can't put uh, a price tag on um, faith in our police department, and I think that's what this goes to the heart of. Uh, I agree in particular the concern that what a negative signal this would send, not only to the volunteer members, of course, of the commit review committee, but to the community at large. Uh, if we punted and, and delayed consideration of this until the fall um, for funding, not until next year. Let me say in closing that I have always felt every day that I've been a proud resident of this community and every day I have served on, in City Hall that I think we are absolutely blessed with an extremely professional police department. And so I don't want anyone in the police department to think for a moment that this is a criticism of them. Um, they certainly should not take this personally, but I think uh, it's clear that there are some in our community that don't have the faith that I think that we um, hope and need that they um, would have um, in our police department. And I think that's partly a trend around the country, as we all know. So I will support the substitute. I was a, um, certainly am a co-sponsor of the substitute and, and plan to vote for it. Lastly, if Mr. Schmidicke, um does have you know, these strong feelings, uh, I would very much like to see a memo from him as soon as possible and have him articulate that at the next council meeting when this would be on the agenda, and he can state his case at that council meeting. Thank you. Thank you. Further discussion? Alderman McKinney. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. Um, 
I'm struggling right now. Um, my name is not as one of the sponsors, but I want to be very, very clear that um, this work is critically important. I did attend one of the um, ad hoc committee meetings, and I was extremely impressed by the commitment and the thoroughness of that body, absolutely. I also, but I want to express some concerns that I had initially in that the amount that we allocated um, to that committee was not enough. It was inadequate, $50,000. But they have dug in. I believe their work is very comprehensive. Um, and my struggle is this. Um, yesterday I talked with the aunt of one of the young men who uh, was killed. And there is a sense of, of distrust. I get that. I understand that. Where I'm struggling with is for um, 11 years, um, a very wise woman named Mary Kay Baum said to our city, we need a day, re re we need a day resource center. And fast forward to 2016, we still do not have a day resource center. And as a body, we make decisions. This is my first, um, I'm a new elected alder and new to um, the budget and finance. And I've seen a lot of um, resolutions that have gone before us that probably we should have questioned more. My struggle is, is that I cannot vote against this amendment because it is critically important um, that we give the constituents, the, the residents of the city of Madison, a sense that our police department cares about what happens to all of the constituents. And at this point, that trust, that feeling does not exist. But my comments are related to, again, the amount of dollars that will be available for emergencies and contingencies that will come before us. I'm specifically um, interested and concerned about the Day Resource Center and the gap that uh, it is facing. I'm particularly concerned that we are as close as we've ever been and moving that to flourishing. And that also is a priority on my plate. And that's where my struggle is. I absolutely cannot vote against um, this amendment because I believe um, it is time. Um, but again, my concern is, is that we, um, we move and have a day resource center and that's going to cause and call for, again, some budgetary considerations from this board. Thank you. Thank you. Further discussion on the question? Alderman Cheeks. Um, <clears throat> Alderman McKinney threw me off a little bit. Oh, God. 
Those are good comments. Thank you. Um, so the council asked this committee to do this work. Um, they came back to us uh, with nothing to gain monetarily. They came back to us um, with the suggestion that if we, in fact, want this work done adequately, that we need to support them at a greater level. Um, that's why I sponsored this, co-sponsored this resolution, uh, because it stands to reason that if we want this work done, we need to uh, support it. Um, one point of clarification, uh, the mayor suggested that we've only um, dipped into the contingent reserve. Uh, we've only made amendments like this a couple times over the course of 10 years, um, uh, totaling $47,000. And, and I, have a, I think this is a question now. Uh, for clarification, uh, I believe I was copied on that same email. The like this that we're referring to is um, – is filtering based on requests coming from committees. Of course, we've made um, amendments to the uh, and expenditures outside of the or from the contingent reserve, and do that every year. Is that right? That's correct. We're okay. Concerned. I just wanted to clarify that for the benefit of the body and those I watching. I deeply apologize if I wasn't clear about that. No, I, I did, wasn't suggesting it was malicious. I just wanted to clarify because, yeah. Those watching might not have followed that. Um, anyway, I appreciate my colleagues' support um, uh, for, for this. I think this is um, of the utmost importance that we that we prioritize spending like this. And you know, I'm I'm sometimes caught in this awkward spot where we find ourselves um, evaluating services for. For what bodies like this, um, unfortunately and unintentionally often refer to as those folks, we end up evaluating um, investments relative to each other. We say, well, you know, we can't invest in those folks over here because we're already investing in those folks over here. Um, and I just want to bring to light that we so seldom do that for, uh, for so many other things. Um, and so I hope that we can get to a place where we uh, where we um, don't find ourselves evaluating through that lens. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I've been indicated that we've got the email available from uh, Dave Schmidt that you asked for. Thank you. So can you just share that? And I just want to give one disclaimer. Um, his uh, memo is based off of the $200,000 transfer, so the – updated figures that we've talked about in the balance reflect the 350 that's before us this evening. Um, so the memo reads, uh, Mayor, there is one item that will be on the May 23rd BOE agenda that might merit some discussion. It is a $200,000 appropriation from the contingent reserve to increase the funding for an RFP to study police procedures as part of the ad hoc committee's work. There is currently $50,000 in the budget for this RFP. The resolution would increase this to 250. The contingent reserve balance has been reduced from 1.2 million to 864,837 with actions to date. This proposed resolution would reduce the balance to 664,837 with more than half of the year remaining. The graph below shows the history of the expenditures from the contingent reserve since 1990. Spending significantly less than budgeted in the contingent reserve has helped to maintain the general fund balance at close to the 15% goal. 
This is important in 26, as current projections have general fund revenues falling short of estimates by approximately 850,000. This assumes that approximately 800,000 of general fund revenues associated with the Ray Peterson fines and forfeitures are transferred to the Affordable Housing Trust Fund at year end. At this point in the year, expenditures are tracking close to budget, but it is difficult to make solid estimates with the uncertainty of weather impacts on the snow and ice removal budget in the last quarter of 2016. There are also significant structural funding issues to address in the fleet service and insurance internal service funds. Fleet has a $4 million deficit at the end of 2015 with an estimated structural gap of $1.3 million due to the treatment of depreciation in the rates charged to agencies over the last several years. The lower rates have benefited the general fund during this time period, but actions need to be taken this year and in the 2017 budget to address this deficit. The insurance fund is estimated to have a $300,000 deficit at the end of 2015, which will continue to grow to approximately $1 million by the end of 2017 due to significant liability events. One possible way to address these deficits without significantly affecting the general fund is to utilize the $7 million surplus that has been built up in the Metro Enterprise Fund over the past years. In contrast to fleet and insurance, excess general fund subsidy has been budgeted and transferred to the transit utility due to higher than anticipated fare box revenues and lower than budgeted salary and fringe costs. We will be reviewing these issues in greater detail with you over the next couple of weeks, but I wanted to give you a general overview so that you have context when considering this appropriation from contingent reserve. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, further discussion. First, let's, are there any questions about um, Dave's memo? Alderman Rummel? Well, it would be nice to have a copy of it because it's yeah, we'll easier to track. To well, you're, you're going to get a presentation on it next week. Great. Right? That would be great. Thank you. So I appreciate the conversation as it's evolved, and I, I did want to go back to Elder McKinney's point, because I, I want to just say if, if it's the day resource center that's your tipping point, it seems to me that what I understand is that the way the county put the budget together did not um, holistically account for all the money that is already there that will could be in the future in the 2017 budget allocated to the the day resource center and that according to Supervisor Wegleitner, there is sufficient money to cover that gap. If, if we do, if we take the money um, from, I mean, I won't go into the weeds, but just, I just want to put that out there on the table that if that's like your like, oh, you know, issue that I just would say, let's get some more information before you decide that that is like this like tipping point. Thank you. Thank you. Further discussion on the question? Okay, before we go any further, I just want to know if there are any. We've got the police department command staff here uh, and, and Chief Koval. Any questions of the chief? If not, thank you very much. Uh, further discussion? Seeing none, come to a vote. All those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Thank you. Um, at this time, I would suggest. Um, is anyone here from Water Utility? Well, let me, I just want to see if I can clear some of these other items out of the way first. Olivier, what do you want to do with that item, 19? Not here now. I don't think anyone's going to be coming from Water Utility. Move if you'd like to take that next and 
I clear that I'll move adoption. Of Is there any objection to taking up 19? Seeing none, all remember. I, I would uh, move adoption of the resolution and agenda item 19. Is there a second? Second. Discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Um, we've got three registrations on item 16, all supporting, available to answer questions, four registrations. Uh, perhaps we could take that, that item up at this time. Um, is there any objection to taking up item 16 at this time? Seeing none, come for motion on item 16. I'll move adoption. Is there a second? Second. A motion to second on 16. Discussion? Alderman Revere. Thank you. I do have some questions of staff. So, I think Charlie, I saw here. Thank you. Hi. Could you, uh, by the way, I guess um, Alderperson DeMarp took leave a moment. Oh, here she's back. So I'll wait for her to join us. Her. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was just about to uh, invoke your name, Alderperson DeMarp, and praise. Uh, thank you for your email uh, earlier today to the board, thinking that you wouldn't be here when we took this item up. I'm glad we could, you could be here when we took the item up. Uh, so in, I did, some of my questions were asked that I had in my mind were answered through older person DeMarv's email. One of them uh, that wasn't clear in the resolution was who would pay the remaining 50%. According to the email, it's the whole chunk nation. Right. So that was one, for example, main question. The other uh, issue that I had questions about that was hoping you could elaborate on, I had the pleasure of meeting with representatives of the nation um, a few months ago, and we talked about this among other issues. And one of the things I learned from that meeting, which I hadn't realized up until then, was that on apparently a monthly basis, Parks Division staff have been meeting with Ho-Chunk Nation representatives and perhaps others. I don't know if the GMCVB has been in those meetings or not, but could you, and Alderperson DeMarve, I think, referenced this as well in her email. Charlie, could you elaborate further on what, when these negotiations, not the negotiations, when these discussions began and give us a flavor of them? Sure. Um, uh, I believe about a year ago, maybe a little less than that, but right about a year ago, um, we started having conversation about uh, possibilities of the um, I don't want to put words in the mouth of the nation, but they had some interest in uh, doing some different things with their uh, property that abuts the Yar Hills golf course. And there was some conversation. It was around, uh, is there something that can be done in conjunction uh, with some of their, their plans uh, that, which, that some things we've recognized in our uh, park system that are lacking, there might be some way to... Um, perhaps have a synergistic approach towards it, i.e. Um, an athletic field complex that is more regional uh, in nature. Uh, our system right now is largely a series of one or two athletic fields here or there scattered amongst many of our parks. We really do not have a facility that is a regional attraction. Um, we have a lot of land out at the Har Hills uh, Park location. Uh, it abuts uh, some of the nation's land. And so really conversations based on uh, is there something that could be done there, logistical issues with what that would look like? Um, so that's been the, the gist of it. Uh, we've had DOT representatives there off and on. And I myself have not been at the last three or four meetings, so I can't give you an exact update of the latest and greatest, but that's been the nature of it. 
the discussions have clearly involved both play fields as well as a large structure, uh, enclosed sport. The word, the phrase, I think, is sports complex throughout the resolution. I think that's uh, uh, the last iteration I saw that that was something that the Ho Chunk Nation was looking at doing on their land. Uh, on the park's land, the only thing that we had been considering to this point were athletic fields. Right. And, that, and of an open air nature. And that's what this study will will get at is, yeah, is, yeah, the idea, is all types of. Yeah, the idea yeah. is, you know, there are a lot of different types. Of, when you say regional sports complex, it can bring very different ideas to mind. There are a lot of different sports out there, baseball, softball, field sports like lacrosse, field hockey, soccer, um, football, uh, ultimate frisbee, um, that what what we know as a park system is that our field space is really being stretched um, to the breaking point. What we don't know is, is there a, a regional need to build some type of a facility? Um, and if so, what type of facility? Is it baseball, softball? Is it field sports? So we're looking for assistance in identifying, one, what type of sports would we want to build a regional facility for if there's a need, but then also the size. I mean, a regional facility could be six fields. It could be 16. You don't obviously want to overbuild or underbuild. So that's part of what this process would inform. Explain the role of the GMCVB in the study, specifically the Sports Commission. Sure. So they would be uh, the entity that goes out and finds the group that does the study, uh, kind of a third-party um, intermediary. Um, the, the study itself is not necessarily uh, site-specific. It will point out, um, again, uh, what type of sports, uh, size of a venue, uh, what we would need to look for as far as a site, logistics, and th those types of things. Um, and so the GCVB obviously has some connections in that world, in the consulting world, that we don't have. Um, and we would expect that they could guide the process and uh, selection and then working with that consultant in a more efficient and effective manner than we could. How many uh, city representatives will serve on the RFP review panel? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, to be you know, quite honest with you. I know parks will be represented. I suspect other agencies would be as well, but I, I don't know all the review. I can't okay. answer that. So you haven't talked about that level of detail with the Sports Commission yet? I have not. Okay. Well, just, those conversations have been had. Yeah. Well, I'll put in a plug and say I think we should have 50% representation on the RFP panel if we're funding 50% of the study. Nobody. Sure. Um, the last thing I want to ask then about is just the, the fiscal. You know, it's, we just obviously were talking about the fiscal impact of uh, the last resolution and the concerns of the finance department. Do you know, was there any thought to, instead of geo-borrowing for this, somewhat modest sum in the grand scheme of things of $37,500 instead of this being um, taking on the debt service of, and geo-borrowing for this. Was there any thought just using um, room tax fund money as we have for other things like the Alliant Energy Center, our share of that study? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I wasn't, uh, wasn't involved with the, the talk of, of how we might finance our, our end of this. So you don't know where the geo-borrowing came from? That was something that Superintendent Knapp maybe just decided? Or? Uh, I can only say that I was not involved if there was any other consideration other than geo-borrowing. Uh, that wasn't part of a conversation I've, I've had.
Okay. Thank you. Further no discussion on the adoption of just, then for discussion, I, I just want to yield if anyone had any questions of Charlie or anyone else for that matter. I would like the finance department to um, perhaps, and I guess I don't know if Dave's still watching, but anyway, uh, the finance department to, to get back to me on the idea of perhaps a substitute resolution mm -hmm. in time for next council meeting, um, changing the funding source from geo borrowing okay. to room tax fund balance. Thank you. Further discussion on the motion to adopt? All those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Charles. The last two items before us are item number two and 14, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. So we have many speakers on 14. We've got about five speakers on 14. What do you wish to do? Take up two at this time or go on to 14? What's your preference? I know you have to depart. I know you want to be here for Judge Doyle Squares. I'll leave it up to you. Um, excuse me, Natalie. Do I understand that on two, there is a recommendation that we go into an executive session? Okay. Let's do 14 first. Sounds good. If I have to leave, I have to leave. Okay. So if there's no objection, we'll take up a motion on 14. Move adoption of no the objection. move adoption of the alternate resolution. Second. Thank you. Motion and a second. On the item 14, first registration is John Becker, who will be followed by Alvic Rosenlund. Yep. Any chair you'd like. Hello, thank you. My name is John Becker. I'm Vice President and Treasurer for Capital Region Advocacy Network for Environmental Sustainability. I'm registering in support of the Sustainable Madison Committee's recommendations on energy and climate. And um, I am really appreciative in particular of their push to the city's leadership on the um, topic of conservation and efficiency. And I've chaired the um, federally funded task force or work group of the Capital Region Sustainable Commun Communities effort from 2011 to 2013 on um, climate action and air quality. Over the last two years, I've been the chair of a small work group for the county that's worked on the baseline inventories for climate action planning. And that entire effort um, involved many groups, as you'll see from the attached blue or the blue circular I've passed around. Almost 50 groups now have signed on in support of that group, uh, work group's recommendations. We didn't make any recommendations on conservation efficiency, but I've, I think um, your Sustainable Madison community, Committee is on the exact right track with that given what's happened since the, our framework came out in 2013. Now, you should know the city was part of the process for the Sustainable Madison, Sustainable Capital Region Communities process. And in September of 2013, your representative to that process, along with all the others that were present then, almost 40 or a little over 40, voted by consensus to endorse certain aspects of the process. 
One of those was this climate action planning framework. So the city has made a commitment that we've been using to encourage the county to fund uh, the research that's gone into baseline inventories for climate action planning. That work has been completed, and we're expecting the final draft will come out soon from the University of Minnesota. And that will become part of the baseline, thank you, for a um, process that the county would like to help the municipalities of our county take forward together. So the framework, um, as you can imagine, this is a very complex process in a county with 62 municipalities. We need to all be on the same track. Not that we know for sure where we're going to come out, but you, Middleton, I mean, a lot of municipalities, the Realtors Association, towns. I mean, it was amazing to have 45 disparate groups like that. We were a little shy on the business end of things, but we reached out to them. We feel positive. They're all on board with this framework. So where are we falling a little bit short with the city right now? We just need you to recommit to your endorsement of 2013, that you are going to be part of this process, and that you will go forward seeking 100% renewable energy. If I could have half a minute more. The um, 2013 resolution that was endorsed by the city and those other 40-plus groups, that was really out there at the time. To go for 100% renewable energy and 100% reduction in greenhouse gas was really edgy. And now there are over 100 cities in the USA that have gone for that goal, 1,000-plus across the world. There's even a league called the 100% Club of Municipalities. So we need you to reconfirm your engagement in that process. The county hopefully will be starting this summer and into the fall, a big public participation process. Not that the county is going to be telling you or any other municipality what to do. We just hope that we can explore together this goal that we all endorsed back in 2013, see if it's workable, see if we have enough solar and wind and so forth to power our quality of life given the projected population for the future. So as part of what you're doing today, I hope somebody will come forward and say, we commit, recommit to our 2013 endorsement. That would be ever so helpful. Thank you very much. The next registrant is, I'm not sure how to pronounce your first name. Alaric. Thank you. Okay, I'm Alaric Rosenland. Um, just will be followed by Don Ferber. All right, thank you. Um, Thanks for the opportunity to give a little feedback or some comments about this. Um, I'm speaking as a citizen of the city, but also as a small business owner um, that works in the renewable energy field and in Madison here. And I'd like to really sort of focus on a few elements. And when I do support the plan in general, but I'd like there to be an emphasis on trying to incorporate more small business um, into this I think that there's a lot of process focus in this, which is great, and all this benchmarking and all that. But right now, a lot of the citizens of the city and, um, are actually taking the initiative, and they're moving forward. They are making that personal commitment with their own investment for renewable energy on their homes or their businesses. And um, I'd like to see the city continue to support that um, in areas like um, streamlining uh, permitting and zoning approval um, issues. One thing that does concern me, uh, the city has gotten involved with um, what they call group purchase programs, and I, I applaud those in, in concept, but I worry also that the, 
the city should be careful that they don't get into a winner-take-all type of situation when their city businesses, there's multiple businesses in the city in support of that. I'd like to see programs that sort of incorporate all of the, you know, as many of the small businesses in the city as possible and make those programs also applicable to the whole city. Uh, we know that there are issues with um, um, equity of distribution of renewable energy and um, siting within the different communities in the city, and we're definitely in support of that. So I do like those elements. So generally, I support the program. Let's keep, uh, let's hopefully have a real strong focus on local business and also local produced renewable energy instead of purchasing things from Canada or wind energy from, you know, halfway across the country. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, Don, who will be followed by Janice Knapp, please. Thank you for this opportunity to speak. Um, I am supporting the energy work plan, uh, but with reservations because it is only a small first step in the right direction. One of the things, this, was, this is built on the sustainability plan that was passed in 2011, so a lot of what you're basing this on is over five years old. Since then, we have a lot more knowledge about what's going on. We have the Paris Climate Accord. And I've been trying to look up some scientific assessment of how that relates to what we need to do in terms of climate change. That's what this whole sustainability plan is built on, that we need to truly address climate change. I hate to tell you this, but what we're doing does not fully address climate change. We are far short of that, both in terms of Madison's plan, um, the, the energy work plan, and the sustainability plan. Uh, what I've seen proposed by our local utilities, again, falls far short of what we're, where we need to be. And I think it is a little bit folly to suggest that we're going to deal with climate change if we don't have a plan that's adequate to that. You know, Madison has proclaimed itself to be a leader, as was indicated by John Becker, for instance. We are far short of that right now. There are a lot of things you can debate and decide to put off. Unfortunately, Mother Nature will not be part of that debate. So I think we need to do far better in terms of that. Certainly where the county is going, I think, with the Climate Action Plan is something to sign on to where you need the communities in this area to work together because it is a combined effort that we will need to make in this area to do this. I think also you need to do a proper study. I know you'd love to hear requests for more money. Um, in terms of what is really required for you to do, be able to do this, if you're going to have a true sustainability plan, there are a lot of elements that are set out there that are really not tied together, do not have the proper metrics in terms of what we need to achieve, in terms of the staff commitment, in terms of where the best opportunities really are. So I think that really needs to be studied through one mechanism or another to be able to get there. So I think those are really the critical things in terms of where we need to go, that there are imperatives out there that go beyond what we can just set forth in a plan. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Janice is next. She'll be followed by Mitchell Bray. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you for this opportunity to speak. Um, we all know that climate change is real from soaring temperatures, record temperatures in India to ever more flooding in Venice, a four-year drought in California, um, contributing to wars in Darfur and Syria. And 
um, changing seasons, changing growing seasons in Wisconsin and changing habitats. Luckily, we haven't been too affected here in Wisconsin by climate change and global warming, but um, that's not going to happen forever. And as a matter of uh, morality, there are people all over the world, especially island nations, who are losing their homes. Um, their lives are being threatened. So it's, it's a moral imperative, but also it's, it's uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. We need to be sensible about our future here. And I agree with everything that Don has said. This is a great first step. It's not enough. But um, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit, I think, that we can work on with this plan. It will save, save us money in the long run. Um, I appreciate the original sustainability plans focus on racial justice and considering minorities in everything that we do. Um, I won't be around, and a lot of you won't be around, to feel the worst effects of climate change, but my children will, and if I have any grandchildren, they will, and all the children of the world, and, and Madison. I would hope that Madison would be forward-thinking and join the many cities and states that are really stepping up to this challenge, because it's, it's a serious crisis, and it's going to get more serious. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mitchell? While Mitchell's coming up, we have uh, registration supporting, be able to answer questions from Rajan. I think it's Shul Shula or Shulka, uh, Annette from Madison Gas and Electric, John Sumi from Madison Gas and Electric, uh, Brett Singer supporting, uh, Nancy Cordes supporting, Daniel Christoph supporting, Judy Scog supporting qualified support with uh, more funds for staffing attention to climate change. And Ken Scott supporting with increased funding for staffing and actions to move climate change. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm Mitch Bry here as an individual. Uh, I support the energy work plan, but I do think that it can be made much better um, and stronger. So I'm going to um, mention a couple of things that I would suggest that you consider. And... Um, you know, if you think there are ways that these can be incorporated or um, added to the plan. Uh, before I get into those, I also brought a couple of documents that I wanted to share. Unfortunately, I don't have enough copies, but um, I have with me um, two memorandums of understanding that uh, Madison Gas and Electric have entered into. One of those is with the city of Madison itself and another is with the Regent Neighborhood Association. Um, there's a third as well with some other uh, that I don't have a copy of with me with uh, some citizen groups. Um, these MOUs I provide as an example of the type of agreement that could be negotiated with MG&E uh, with the proper leverage, uh, which I think the city seeks to have. Um, you know, it's, if we just go and, and ask politely, mg &E, can we have a clean energy future? Um, at that point, it's up to them. They can say yes or they can say no, and we're kind of held hostage to whatever they decide. And MG&E's decisions are bound by its shareholders. Uh, they have a fiduciary responsibility to maximize profits and shareholder return. Um, that's not how a community should be ran. Um, you know, the community's best interest should be what dictate our uh, future. 
And so I provide these um, in the hopes that this might inform the negotiating team of the type of agreement that's possible. Um, the agreement with the Regent Neighborhood Association includes um, a full process on how to deal with complaints if the MOU is violated. And these MOUs uh, are related to the West Campus Cogen facility that was built um, about a dozen years ago. Um, in that Regent Neighborhood Association, there's a really good example there of um, a potential community energy partnership. And um, a community energy partnership should be much more than what is created there, but it lays out something that was done more than a dozen years ago where there's equal representatives from uh, the community as well as from the owners of that power plant. And there's a process laid out in how to deal with and come to resolution. So I would thoroughly suggest um, that elements such as that be included in any agreement with MG&E and preferably that agreement be something strong like an MOU. I'm also providing um, some recommendations um, which come out of um, an organization from Minneapolis and I just passed those there. Um, these are recommendations that were made in Minneapolis in regards to the community energy part, uh, the clean energy partnership which they have there. Um, some of those were taken into account and some were not, but it's a good example. Um, I'm available for questions if you have any. Thank you very much. Are there questions of any of the registrants? Alderman S. Christian. Thank you. If I could ask a question of Raj, because I think he was the chair. Thank you. Thank you for your work. Um, I just had a couple questions about the committee process because I know you guys sure. did a lot of work, so I wondered if you could provide us with just a little bit of background sure. and where the committee ended up on this as it comes before sure. us. Sure. A little over a year ago, I believe, um, we asked the, the full council for their blessing to help the, the – or to authorize the committee to come up with a set of recommendations germane to this issue, and kind of with the context being the discussion around MG&E's rate case from earlier that summer. Um, you gave us that authority, and we went about the process of developing recommendations that would start the process of meeting our goals around energy and climate. Um, we held four uh, publicly noticed open meetings throughout the course of the summer with you know, several dozen community partners representing business. Um, some alders did attend as well, uh, community activists as well. Uh, those recommendations were all sort of vetted against um, what we knew of the science and what we knew of the engineering, and we knew a little bit and what we suspected of the politics <laughs> around all of these issues. Um, and we came around a set of recommendations that we think are uh, a modest step forward, um, a workable step forward, and, and one that is built around the idea of building a consensus around these issues um, and not continuing to sort of poke each other in the eye over, over these issues. Um, so that's sort of a snapshot of how we got to where we got to. And the committee, in the end, fully supportive of this for uh, I think with one nay vote, yep. Great, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Further questions? If not, thank you very much. The matter before us is up for adoption. Discussion on the question? Seeing none on the question of adoption, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. That takes us to item number one, Alderman Rivera. Uh, item number two, Alderman Rivera. Well, I guess uh, I'll ask this of, of um, Ms. Erdman. Is there, will any of the presentation be an open session or should it all be enclosed? First part in open session? 
Yes. So I'll hold off on a motion to close the meeting. So we have the motion to adopt item two, correct? Yeah, I'll move to accept the report. Correct. Is there a second? Second. There is. Discussion? Please. Um, thank you. Uh, George Austin sends his apologies for not being here. He had another commitment at 6, and uh, when we moved behind in the schedule, uh, he had to leave, so he's trusted me with this. And Dave Schmidke also had a prior engagement. He wishes that he could be here. Um, on April 19th, the council approved uh, uh, going forward with Beitler and exploring a development agreement and further terms of an agreement with Beitler for the development at Judge Doyle Square. Uh, we've had two face-to-face -face meetings with the development team. We've had three renditions of a development agreement. Uh, I think on the positive side, the development agreement is much more simple than our prior development agreements have been with uh, prior development proposals because we've really come down to a much more simple transaction. At this time, that transaction looks like this. The city would design, publicly bid, construct, and operate the public parking structure on Block 88. And as they finish that piece, they would demolish the Government East uh, garage on Block 105 and make that site ready for development. At that point in time, we would enter into lease agreements um, with Beitler for three separate parcels, one being the apartment building on Block 88, one being the hotel on Block 105, and then the third being the apartment buildings on Block 105. The quality of the development here is really going to be, and of the design, is going to be controlled through a normal land use approval process for that above ground development, which includes hotel and apartment buildings. Um, we have a number of items outstanding, and I think those items we'd like to cover with you in uh, closed session because uh, they're a point of negotiation. But generally, our schedule, if we can come to some conclusions on the development agreement that we're currently working on, uh, we think we can be back at the next BOE meeting with a final development agreement and then have that agreement, depending on the actions here, uh, go on to the council with the goal of being um, executed on a development agreement, again, assuming we can come to terms that are acceptable to the council by July. Um, that process would take us through design and development on the garage structures that should lead us to a construction start in approximately April of 2017. Um, and then, uh, obviously, the private development follows behind that as we finish the construction of a garage. And, Kevin, are there any items you'd like to add? Not an open session. Sure. Any, quite more, any questions or discussion while we're in open session? At this point, we'll take a motion to go into closed session, Alderman Verveer. Thank you. I move that the Board of Estimates go into closed session pursuant to Section 19.85 sub 1 sub e Wisconsin statute, which reads as follows. Deliberating or negotiating the purchasing of public properties, investing of public funds, or conducting other specified business whenever competitive or bargaining reasons require a closed session. If we do uh, convene in closed session as described upon completion of the closed session, notices hereby given that it, we may reconvene in open session to consider the item without waiting 12 hours pursuant to Wisconsin statute section 19.85 sub 2. For a second? Second. Other question? Debate? Vote? Alder Cheeks? Aye. Eskrich? Aye. McKinney? 
Aye. Rummel? Aye. Revere? Aye. Wood? Aye. Do we have a side vote? We'll go into a closed session. So the uh, Madison Board of Estimates will now reconvene in open session. Uh, the motion before us is to accept the uh, verbal report of city staff relating to the Judge Doyle Square project. Uh, is there any discussion on that? Seeing none, those in favor of the motion to accept the report will say aye. 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 Opposed no, motion carries. And uh, I think that will lead us to a motion to adjourn then. Move adjournment. Second. Second. Moved and seconded to adjourn. Without objection, we are adjourned. Thank you all very much.